Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Richard Cohn, and today we have the pleasure of talking with Danielle McKinnon. Danielle is an animal communicator. She's an intuitive. She's a soul-level coach, and she's the best-selling author of the book Soul Contracts, Find Harmony and Unlock Your Brilliance. In addition, she also is a featured faculty speaker at the Omega Institute and the Lilydale Assembly. And what you will soon hear as we talk with Danielle is that she is very personable, she's delightful, and genuine. Danielle, welcome to our radio show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. A little bit of normalcy in the world right now to talk to you, Richard. <laughs> These are uh, very unique times. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, uh, it's disruptive. It's changed like no one has ever experienced. And uh, there are probably a lot of positive messages that will come through to humanity as well. Have you uh, had insights into that? You know, I have. One of the things, um, it's, it, that's an interesting question to ask. One of the things I'm noticing is that personally I'm being forced to reevaluate what I need in my life. Now, I started this process already back in August when we sold our house and moved in with our friends because we we're building a new house. And uh, even just like a month ago, my husband and I were saying, dude, what, is, what did we pack in pods? What was in the house? I don't even remember. We certainly don't need all that. And now with all of this happening, I'm reevaluating again. How much stuff do I really need? What is actually important to me in life? And what I'm finding personally and that I'm seeing in my community is that it's connection that's important. And I think a lot of people had lost connection. It had become a quickie text here or there. It had become um, just a thing to the side of getting done what you need to get done. And what I'm seeing is now I'm really valuing whenever I have connection with somebody. So it's already working that way for me. But how about you? I would say that exactly the, the same thing. I've noticed um because in our company at Beyond Words, um, there are 10 of us who work together, and now each of us is in uh, our own home. And every morning at 8 a.m., I call each of our staff members, and we connect. We find out what's going on personally and also what is planned for the business. And for me... <clears throat> Even though I've been a business owner now for 37 years, it's really the first time in, in my memory where I feel not only like a business owner, but I feel that, that deep personal connection with each of our employees, each of our staff members. Um, so I think you're absolutely correct in terms of that. and. And then in terms of valuing what is important in our lives, um, social isolation uh, allows us to look at that and has allowed me to look at what is important and connecting with family members who are uh, a distance away, um, 
bringing that personal touch back into our lives. And, uh, yeah, I agree. That, and then even prioritizing as well. I'm realizing some of the people that I was having connection with, I don't feel the desire, while others I feel like, wow, this is an amazing connection I want more of. So it's allowing me to really develop and further those connections that are feeling most exciting, important, and um, and where I feel the most connected as well. From a, I know you are um, a a world known, world ranked uh, psychic. From the psychic level, from the level of working with the guides that you do. Is there anything that comes through that you feel our listening audience would want to know in addition to what you just shared? Um, the word that comes through numerous times over the past about 10 days is that um, the world is going through a reset. That even when the, the all of this quote-unquote clears up, <laughs> we will not live the same. We'll come out of it differently. We will come out of it thinking different, feeling different, valuing different things, even to the point where um, it's going to force people to move forward that weren't ready to move forward or that thought they weren't ready or that were resisting moving forward. For example, I have several friends, friends who are um, psychic or mediums, and they've been saying, like one have been saying, oh, I want to do online classes, but she was slow at getting to it, kind of kept putting it off. Well, this is putting her, putting it right in her face. This, I need to do the thing that I said I was going to do, and now is the time. So the universe is kind of lining things up for us to do things that we were maybe putting off or that were for our greatest and highest good that they were, we were scared of or resisting. It's giving us, I mean, the, the best word is reset. And this is our opportunity to, um, to reset that energy and kind of start, it's not start anew, but a little bit start anew. Because I'm letting go of things, and I see people all over letting go of things that, that just don't need to be there anymore. So that I can play where I want to play. I can be in my passion, and people around me can be in their passion. It's really interesting how fear can either stop you and, and prevent you from moving forward, which is actually where from when I was connecting with my guys, that's what a lot of people were doing right before this. They were um, in autopilot. They were just kind of go, go, go. They were just doing the things they need to do, even, you know, on a, on a very survival level basis without kind of looking at the bigger stuff. This is really pushing us all to look at the bigger stuff and what we want our lives to be. And that's what my guys keep talking to me about. They're telling me to do energy management, because I keep doing the thing where I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and then I stop and I do tools to ground myself and bring myself back to center. And the guys are very clear about this. This is a big piece of what we are expected to do right now. It's not just a meditative practice. Um, we're moving into a world where, on an everyday basis, whenever it occurs in our day, we have to take care of ourselves. And the vibration of anxiety and worry that's around right now is creating the perfect opportunity for us as humans to take care of ourselves in a different way, not by buying things, but by taking care of our, our inner selves, our well-being, our consciousness, our all of it, 
because of what's going on right now. And that's really what my conversations with my guys have been. <laughs> wow, that is a very a very full conversation. You could spend the whole whole time. I I I remember um, once when I was I had an opportunity to be with um, Buckminster Fuller, and he he said that when ten percent of any population group is uh, thinking alike or forced mm-hmm. to think alike, it actually impacts the other 90%. And there's a shift that occurs in everyone, even though the other 90% didn't consciously uh, choose it. To, and, and so I think as a human species right now, we are being forced by the universe to make these kinds of adjustments, to prioritize our lives, and as you said, to to look at the at the bigger picture of what really is important. And I think the other piece that you raised was the energy management, because I've seen that uh, not only in myself and and in uh, my partner Michelle, uh, where so much is coming at us, uh, it's it's hard to uh, to not go into a state of almost overwhelm by all the input and uh, especially the media. Um, if, we, if we if we turn on the television or look at the uh, at something on the internet, uh, it, it, it just it overwhelms uh, the psyche. So I've taken lately to uh, try to limit as much as possible that level of input so that I can stay focused. Yeah, this is. I, I've decided that. Um... I'm not going to watch the news, and I've set my intention that anything that I need to know, for whatever reason, if I need to know it, it will get through to me. I don't have to watch the news and read on the Internet and do all of that in order to get the information that's necessary. So I'm really putting my my trust in the universe and in my guides to say, no, you do need to know this piece, all that other, you can, you can let go of, you don't even have to involve yourself in and I feel like it helps me keep my vibration in a place of a more stable place, let's call it. <laughs> yes. Well, one of the things that you mentioned, and I think this is something that would be really helpful for our listeners, is how to ground ourselves. Mm. And if, if you have some tips on that that you can share. I do. So, um one of the things, and a lot of people aren't thinking about this, but, you know, there's stuff with food going on right now. And people are scared around food. Am I going to be able to get food? Is there enough food at the grocery store? How can I get the food? And then the people handling the food may also have anxiety and worry. And we're taking that food and we're putting it in our bodies. So one of the things that um, I've been doing is I've actually been holding my hands over my food before I eat it and sending divine light. Just calling on my guides and saying, please send divine light into this food. And I simply imagine that the divine light is clearing the food for me of any anxiety that anybody who who touched it had. And I'm just clearing it so that I can bring a really high vibration into my own body. It sounds very um, simple, but what it's actually doing is 
yes, it's clearing the food, but it's also, as, as a person, now I'm taking a moment to calm and clear myself to ask for that to happen. So now I'm in a much better emotional and energetic state when I'm taking this food in. So it's kind of twofold in, in helping. Have you ever done that with your food? You know, I, I remember um, there was a movie, I think it was like Water for Chocolate or something like that where uh, a, a woman infused love into the mm. cooking and, and into the yeah. chocolate. And, <laughs> and, and, and I yeah, did and that. Yeah, and that's the other one. You could do not divine lo- light, but unconditional love. You could ask your guides, God, spirit, whoever you connect with, to please infuse the food with unconditional love. I would work a lot with unconditional love because I do so much work with animals. But that's been helping quite a bit because now you're taking care of yourself in a different way. And most people are not taking care of themselves in that way, and they're not realizing um, all the touches to what they're putting in their body. So um, I found that this is helping me personally, and I shared it with my students the other day, and I was just reading some comments where they were saying, this is really helping me feel better about what I'm eating, but also feel calmer overall. So it's, you know, we just a lot of the time we're not thinking about what we're, how we're taking care of ourselves, and that there are opportunities to take care of ourselves in places where that that is kind of like everyday opportunity. So the food is a big one. You know that is is very true. As I think about it, um, I've noticed that people are almost afraid to to uh, buy fresh vegetables and fresh fruit because they don't know who handled it, how it mm. was handled, and in uh, they're not. Uh, not taking it into their system, whereas if they were to to wash it, to do what you've just described by putting their hands over it and almost like praying over it, uh, yeah. to bring to bring it to a vibrational level where it will allow our bodies to take it in at a very healthy level and uh, nurture our our souls, nurture our spirits as well as our physical bodies. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I'm having great success personally with it uh, right now. I need and I want all of the possible ways that I can to take care of myself on these levels that I've kind of been ignoring. I've, I never used to do that. I was like, okay, food is my nutrition, eat it, now I'm full. <laughs> but this is so much better. <laughs> I know that uh, our listeners will truly appreciate the wisdom that you've just shared and, and those tips. Um, from your perspective as an animal communicator, um, are there lessons that animals are wanting to teach us right now? There, on, on a kind of a global level, right now what I'm seeing is that um, – the animals are stepping in. I'm actually talking about our pets versus um, wild animals right now. They're stepping forward to help us again take care of ourselves. So um, people are quarantined inside their houses, but they have a dog. This dog makes it clear, I have needs, I want to go for a walk. So now the person has to take their dog for a walk, 
being outside in nature, connecting with their dog on the walk, all of these things, again, take care of our physical body, our emotional body, our energetic body, as long as we're doing it in a way where um, we're with our dog on the walk or we're with our cat because our cat is demanding attention on the sofa right now versus what people have done in the past. And animals have nudged us for it, but what I'm seeing is in light of all that's going on, they're just, their nudges are bigger. Um, going for a walk with your dog while talking on the phone the whole time. You know, this doesn't create connection. This is actually disconnection. It's not what our animals are asking for. It's not so much about sitting on the sofa with your cat in your lap um, while watching something on Netflix. The animals are asking us to be present. They're asking us to be here right now. And that not only feels good in the moment of, all right, I feel good, I'm here with my cat right now, but it also helps because when we're not present, this is when we go down, we as humans go down that what if, oh, my God, what's going to happen, what's coming, what's in the future, oh, no. You know, we go down that road. So the animals are using their physical bodies and their needs. Our pets are using their physical bodies and their needs to pull us back into center to make us be connected with ourselves, connected with them, and to stay in the present moment. Very hard to do in a challenging time like this, but this is what I'm seeing them step up for. It, you know, as I've listened to to you and, and what you've been saying, there have been some, some key words that, that jumped out for me. Uh, mm. Connection being the most important that we're having right now, not only connection with self, but also with our companion animals, with our pets, to have that connection. And the letting go of the way that we've always done things. Uh, you mentioned the, having the cell phone interrupting, uh, which disconnects us. And the trust that we're having to put uh, into ourselves and to others around us. Uh, and lastly, to be present, to be here now. These are all extremely important lessons for all of us. They're, they're simple in a way and yet so profound. And they've been missing for the majority of us for a while. They've been missing. You know, so many people look at walking their dog as a, a commitment, a responsibility they have to do. Rather than what, what I'm seeing, I look out the window and I see people go by with their, with their animals and they're walking more slowly. They seem, they feel to me more connected with one another because they don't have to rush off and get something else done and do the next thing on the list and da 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 da. People are learning right now what true connectedness feels like and what true presence feels like. The animals are helping with that. Daniel, I, in our earlier segment, you had mentioned about unconditional love. Mm. Um, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I can. So what I'll share is what I've learned from the animals, um, from my experience with animals, working psychically with animals. So know that it's from their point of view. <laughs> but what they have told me again and again in my connections with them is that animals have mastered unconditional love. 
animals vibrate at the at the level of unconditional love. And they've also shared with me that we humans have not mastered unconditional love. We are not, um, you know, which is pretty obvious. How often do you doubt yourself? How often does, does somebody feel jealous of somebody else or worry they're going to fail or think they're not lovable? These are all different forms of us not having mastered unconditional love. So, um, according to the animals, they are here to help us learn learn this piece. They're here to help us master unconditional love. And um, which means that there are teachers, not that they are um, below us, beneath us, less than us. And a, a lot of people are surprised when I say that. But you're not surprised. <laughs> right, Richard? No, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Um, it's an interesting thing when you start to look at an animal as this being who knows what unconditional love is, is and who comes from that place all of the time. Uh, because so often we think, um, oh, I, that animal doesn't understand, that animal doesn't get it, that animal, you know, we, so many people, even big animal lovers, think of animals as less than that they can't survive without us. And sure, in the 3D world where we're bringing dogs and cats and horses and guinea pigs into our human world, they need us. But without us, animals in the wild have a beautiful balance on Earth because they have mastered this. It doesn't mean one animal doesn't kill another for food, but that's part of, part of the balance. And that's what they want us to understand is how to create a balance within us because we're no longer in a place of I'm fearful, I'm worried, I'm not going to have enough, I'm, I'm not good enough at this thing. Um, you don't see a, uh, a squirrel in the wild questioning himself and his ability to, you know, am I good enough to gather enough nuts for this winter? The squirrel may wonder, are there enough nuts? But not can, am I not capable of it? It's a very different way of being how animals are in the world versus us. It, what you just shared reminded me of an experience once where I, uh, not with an animal, but uh, with a plant. I was uh, driving and I, I looked out and I saw this uh, car going by with a, a big plant uh, coming out of its uh, back of the pickup, and I thought, mm. you know, that that plant never questions itself. It never uh, looks around at uh, other plants and oak trees and, and says to itself, I wish I could be as big as an oak tree. In, instead, it, it really is, it knows who it is, what it is, and its purpose in life, whereas humans we often question ourselves and, and look at others and with envy or uh, wishing that we could do something that they're doing in, instead of really allowing ourselves to, to go inward and to appreciate who we are as people and, and our unique place in this lifetime. 
Yeah, it's pretty incredible when you stop to look at what plants and animals are, are really doing. They're modeling every day for us unconditional love, unconditional love in themselves, unconditional love for all. And, and <laughs> we're, we're still working on that one. You know, we're still questioning ourselves. It's very cool when you start to watch the animals. So for my connections with animals, this is what I get to see. I get to see how an animal connects with a person and goes, ooh, here's a place where they're not loving themselves the way they could. I'm going to help them evolve that. I'm going to help them see that and understand it and work with it. Pretty cool. How, and, and how do they do that? How do they demonstrate that? For, uh, for humans? Um, I'll speak from my personal experience. I had a dog who, um, it was when I was first learning, first opening up intuitively, first becoming, uh, moving into animal communication, and I was very insecure. I'm not good enough. I'll never be able to do this as well as I want. I'm making this up. Who am I to think I can do this? You know, I had all these doubts. And so I had um, my dog. My dog was uh, a jumper, so she would jump up on people like crazy when they came over. And I felt that I must be a terrible animal communicator if I can't get her to stop. And so I was embarrassed, and it made me doubt myself even more. But what she was really doing well, she was giving me an opportunity to call this out and look at it and understand. And it, it did make me, take me looking at it, well, why, why would I, through animal communication, be able to tell another being what to do? If, if I can't go and tell another person what to do, why is that person going to listen to me? Why should it happen psychically? And it started helping me understand where my uh, doubts in myself were. And the easier I went on myself about this, the less she jumped. She actually used her behavior as an indicator of how I was feeling about myself in this in this area. Did that make sense? It, it does. Um, I I had uh, a, a personal experience with with maybe a year ago with a, a puppy that uh, would do the same thing. Was especially with my wife was jumping up and mm. was nipping nipping at her heels and and eventually actually bit her uh, physically and looking at the situation uh, from the outside it looked like uh, this was a an uncontrollable um, that something was wrong with this particular puppy and um, I, I'm wondering if you if, if just looking at what I've described if if, if that's something that uh, when a, a puppy uh, or a dog jumps up and nips and bites, what that can mean for the uh, the companion human that's with that particular animal. And do you want me to look specifically at Michelle and this dog, or do you want me to talk more generally about what types of things it could be? Well, maybe you could. You, if you have time, if you could do both. <laughs> yes, I have time. <laughs> All right. So if we start with Michelle, and what was the name of the dog? The dog's name was Maisie. M-A-I-S-Y? Uh, 
I think M-A-I-S-I-E. I-E, okay. Okay, so um, when, when I'm looking at this situation, one of the things that I see is that at that time of Michelle's life, there's a lot of, um, it looks like energy going around. It seems a bit not settled. <laughs> it seems kind of chaotic. Um, and when I look at Maisie, I'm seeing Maisie reacting to um, this energy that's, that's going on. It, it's too, uh, too much, too, too frenetic, um, which is really interesting because I know Michelle, and me personally, I would be like, wow, there was some frenetic energy. I know her. <laughs> um, but this is how it's coming through when I'm looking through Maisie at this, that um, what Maisie wanted is for Michelle to calm down. It's actually kind of similar to what we were talking about before with what's going on in the world right now where um, our animals are asking us to calm, connect, and be present in that moment with them. And it really looks like that's what Maisie was doing with Michelle, basically saying, take full attention to me, be connected with me right here, right now. Now, knowing a Michelle from a year ago, obviously, she's your partner, does that make sense to you? It does. I, I think... Um this was the first pet that we've brought into our lives in, in recent memory. And I know Michelle wanted to do everything perfectly and, mm. and just do it absolutely to make Maisie's life wonderful. And, and yet at the same time, uh, here she is as an editor running a publishing company's side of the editorial acquisitions. So there was a lot going on in her life. And uh, even even the bringing of Maisie all the way to Oregon, Michelle had to drive uh, through blizzard, blinding snowstorm, the last car to get through in Colorado uh, on the highway with semi-trucks tipped over. And uh, just so much was go- going on, and yet yep. she... Uh, forged on and little sleep and, and got her home. Wow. So it, may, it definitely makes sense that Maisie is, is there basically saying, hey, let's calm this whole thing down. I'm going to do everything I can to get you to focus on the here and now. And the interesting thing about the way animals work when they're working with us on something like this is they start small. Um, and that's what I see in Maisie is that it, that it started small. It's kind of like she's not listening. She's a, a little belligerent but cute at the same time. Like I see her furrowing her brow but then wagging, wagging her butt a little. Like it was like I'm cute but not going to listen. So And then she would up to the ante um, and do that bigger and bigger and bigger until we get to the bite. Uh, and this is what they do in order to try and get us to pay attention. So when with Bella, I was, I didn't pay attention for a long time. In fact, for two years, we didn't have anybody over to the house because I was so embarrassed that she jumped like that and I was an animal communicator. So it took a lot for me to um, finally reach the point where I, I changed what I was doing. 
And because Bella kept up in the ante by us not having anyone over for two years. I was much more stubborn than most people. <laughs> um, so it looks like Maisie's doing her version of that at that time. Um, for most people who want to figure out, well, what is my, what is my animal? How is my animal working with me? How is my animal helping me? What area is my animal working with me on? Um, you look for the, the greatest wave, which is the place in your life where maybe the animal is upsetting you the most or causing the biggest emotional outpouring or where there's the biggest challenge. Because you can bet where the biggest, whatever it is, exists, that's where that animal is working with you. So obviously um, it got to the point with the bite, uh, and that, that was a very good indicator of where Maisie was working with Michelle. Did that make sense? It does make sense. Okay. Um, when when we as humans say we we go to adopt a pet, do we choose the animal or does the animal choose us? We so do not choose the animal. <laughs> <laughs> And some people are totally, they already know that. I felt like my cat chose me. I felt this horse show up on the Internet, and I knew he was mine, you know, that kind of thing. But even when your uh, grandmother passes and you end up with her cat, the cat arranged for this to happen. And actually, we as humans arranged for this to happen as souls beforehand. Um, what the animals show me is that it's an agreement that happens before we all embody, my dog's soul got together with my soul and said, hey, we're going to work together in this upcoming lifetime. And then at some point, this dog's soul comes in and, 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 you know, she gets to meet my dog and I get to have her in my life. But um, it's orchestrated from behind the scenes by the animal. This is an area that... Um I think would be very fascinating for our listeners. Um, you have written this wonderful book called Soul Contracts, and the concept is one that maybe you can explain a little bit about um, what a soul contract is and, okay. and how these come into our lives, not only with, with, uh, with our companion animals, with pets, but also with other humans. So um, the whole soul contract, my whole knowledge of soul contracts came out of my work with animals. They were the ones who, who, who brought me into it, although what I'm going to talk about doesn't have to do with animals. They just introduced me to it. And it's based on the idea that we as um, souls, as human souls, that before we embody into our lifetime, we have certain lessons that our souls need to work on in order to evolve toward enlightenment. So those lessons are usually they're some form of learning, mastering unconditional love. So they're, they're usually about deservingness, loving yourself, feeling safe, and worthy. The concept of soul contracts, a, a contract that we make uh, before we embody and um, Danielle, if you could continue talking about that. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, so before embodying, we 
basically our soul kind of takes a tally. Well, what do, what do I need to work on in this upcoming lifetime in order to grow and evolve towards enlightenment? And there's um, several different versions of what our souls need to work on, and some souls need to work more on one than another to grow and evolve. Um, so we come, we embody with this uh, kind of innate desire to start working on that. So if I use myself as an example, I came in, I, my soul is working on feeling safe, supported, and protected, believing that I am safe, supported, and protected. And then once I master that, my soul will be able to evolve and grow. So when I come in with this um, desire to learn this lesson, uh, what happens is I start pulling in experiences, people, events into my life that give me the opportunity to learn about this. So I actually, um, as a child, I had a, a tough childhood. And so there was my first opportunity to learn about safety, support, and protection. I did not feel safe, supported, and protected. So as a result, I created soul contracts. Now, soul contract is basically what do I do in order to make myself feel safe, supported, and protected. So one of the things that I did, one of the soul contracts that I took out was I am going to be the best at whatever I do. And if I am the best at whatever I do, and I have to be the best, if I'm the best at whatever I do, then nobody can um, come after me and tell me I'm a fraud, I'm a fake, I'm bad, and then I'll feel safe. So what happens then is now I had to go through life thinking, I have to be the best at whatever I do. I have to be the best. I have to be the best. Because if I wasn't the best, it actually made me feel unsafe. Um, what happens is as I keep going through life and I keep having more and more opportunities to um, feel unsafe, unsupported, or unprotected, or to feel safe, supported, and protected, all of those are opportunities for me to look at myself and understand this so that I can slowly, and in, the, in that book I give all the steps to do it, but so that I can slowly change my belief that I'm not safe, supported, and protected, which then changes my, the experiences that come into my life. I'm not, I think I missed a part in there. Did what I say made, make sense? Yes, it, it does. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, and, and in your book you I think you list five steps that people can take. If I, yes, they're pretty detailed steps, though. I mean, I would say the the first the first thing that people can do right now to start um, understanding what they're looking at and what what their soul contracts are that are kind of um, um, flooding them up, because that's what I had to do. I had to realize, um, wait, all these things are the same thing. Uh, is to start looking at where they're having the biggest challenge in their life or to start looking at where they feel the most compelled to do something or to look at um, what is the pattern that keeps repeating. So for me, the pattern that kept repeating was I didn't feel okay unless I was the best. And I was able, you know, I had to identify that pattern in order to start understanding that there's a soul contract there. I have to to be the best. Um, other soul contracts are, I'm going to be the most loyal person ever. I'm going to um, 
hide from everybody. I'm never going to speak up. I'm going to give, 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 give at my own expense <laughs> to everybody. We do all of these crazy things that become soul contracts, like really embedded within us, that tell us we have to behave a certain way, but that soul contract really isn't for our greatest and highest good. It's not. It, and, and I shifted this now, but it wasn't okay for me to go through life thinking I had to be the very best at whatever I did because I can't control that. Somebody's going to be better somewhere. So if my sense of well-being and safety are dependent on what's happening out there, am I the best or not? Is someone better than me? Then I don't have control over my own life. I'm not in touch with myself and who I really am. So I would say starting by looking at where is that biggest wave, that biggest challenge, and then looking for the pattern in there? That pattern is usually the full contract. So is this, is this something that would be easy for people to identify if they were to look at what is the biggest challenge that they're facing in life or something that tends to repeat itself? Uh, and then how do they... How easy is it to identify the pattern? So um, I bet people who are listening right now can identify the pattern. So I'll give an example of a pattern. Somebody who um, feels that they're not good enough. So this is what they came to learn. They came in, their soul came in to learn that they're good enough, that they're awesome, that they're wonderful no matter what they do. So somebody who has a um, that their lesson that they came to learn may do things like, and they're aware, like when you start putting it together, wait, I always overgive to my friends, and it makes me upset, but I keep doing it. And I always work way too many hours, and I'm not getting paid for these hours. Like you start seeing, and I always stick by my friends, even when they're acting really, really jerky to me, and maybe I shouldn't be friends with them anymore. All of those things kind of go together with I'm going to give way too much of myself. And so the literally – um, all somebody has to do is start looking for the commonalities in the challenges they're having, and they're going to start to find those little contracts. Um, there's, I will say that's the Cliff Note version. <laughs> because in the book, I give a lot more, you know, really walk through the steps, but to right now immediately figure out what's the main soul contract that's flubbing me up, that's what you want to do. You want to look for the pattern. The repeating pattern, because it's always repeating. That makes makes total sense. Um, when I when I look at people who, for instance, who are caregivers, professional caregivers, who are giving uh, emotionally and physically so much of their lives to others, uh, it's not uncommon for them to uh, actually expire first before their yeah. their patient, because. Yeah. They're not uh, <laughs> the challenge is there and the, the behavior is there, but they're not uh, looking at altering that by by taking a deeper look inside. Yeah, yeah, that deeper look inside is what is what. That's the cool part. <laughs> well, I I so appreciate your being with us today, um, and I welcome our listeners to not only listen to this again, but also to uh, look at your book, Soul Contracts, because that will give them a more in-depth picture. Um, thank you, Danielle, 
for all that you do for us and for the world. You're welcome. This was, thank you. Thank you for having me.